and welcome to the Bottom Up Revolution podcast, where we share the stories of the Strong Towns movement in action. I'm Rachel, Program Director at Strong Towns. When you have a friend or a family member visiting you from out of town, which I feel blessed that we can do now given the COVID numbers and vaccines, where do you take that person? After you've said your hellos and they have dropped off their bags, where is that fun place that you had to show them what your community is all about? I wonder if it might be a brewery or the farmer's market stand with the homemade cheese and sausage. Or maybe it is a cute jewelry shop on Main Street that makes all their own stuff. There's something about a locally crafted food or good that just instills in us a pride for a place that we want to show off. It's about saying, this is my community and here's what we're capable of making. Alana Proust is an urban planner and founder of a company called Recast City, which helps build communities where small-scale manufacturing businesses can thrive. She's also the author of a new book called Recast Your City, and today she joins me on the show to talk about her work and why small-scale manufacturing can and should be the beating heart of your city. In this conversation, we talk about how this sort of manufacturing can reinvigorate downtowns, build local pride, and most importantly, create meaningful opportunities for entrepreneurs to start businesses and scale up. Proust outlines the steps that local leaders can take to make space for this manufacturing renaissance to occur and shares examples of this work in action across the country. It's about building on the energy and manufacturing already pleasant in your community and harnessing that to make your town stronger. So here's my conversation with Alana Proust. Alana Proust, thank you for joining me for this episode of the Bottom Up Revolution podcast. It's great to have you here. I'm excited to be here with you today. Thanks. Can you start by telling us a little bit about yourself and how you got interested in small-scale manufacturing? Oh, that's a great question. So my background is in city planning. Uh, I was a policy wonk for a very long time. I was the numbers and the maps person. Um, And uh, over my years of working in smart growth and in the federal government and in the nonprofit world, I came to this realization that um, we could talk about creating great places. That's always been my passion, creating great places. And we could give people policy solutions for housing and transportation and all those pieces. But unless we help them figure out how to have strong local businesses that were resilient, and this is way before this pandemic, obviously, um, that were resilient in the face of changes in the market, we were only going to get part of the way there, that we needed to combine our efforts on placemaking and design with the small business side of it. So it wasn't just talking about, yes, we need jobs and housing downtown, but being able to say, we need these kinds of business downtown because they help us create more wealth building opportunities for more people, which means they are more, thereby they'll be able to afford the housing in our community and they'll be able to be more part of the community as well. Where do you call home? And then I'm curious, like, did your own community or, or your background inspire you uh, to, to help support these sorts of manufacturing efforts and businesses? Yes, but in, in sort of a, an indirect way. So I'm based in Washington, D.C. I live okay. in a town right next to the city called Tacoma Park that I talk about as my 18,000 person small town USA with its own 4th of July parade and, and kids, you know, uh, running down the street um, and its own little main street. And um, we happen to have a metro stop that takes us right into DC. 
Right. So it, I, I have a little Sounds bit of the, idea. Yeah, I have a little bit of the best of both worlds. And I grew up around here. My parents, um, as ironic sometimes as it is to say, had a, had a big influence on it. My mother was a, a person who made stuff. She sewed, she knitted, she crocheted, um, she painted, she quilted. She was also the person who fixed things in my house. She knew how to use a drill. She was the person who hang, hung the blinds, measured for the blinds, and she made sure that I, me and my brothers all picked up those skills from her. Um, and my father was a lover of cities. I mean, his favorite thing was to, to go to a city and wander around the place and, and just be able to appreciate the, the diversity of people and places in that, in that city. So in some ways, it's sort of a, a, a sort of a bizarre combination of those influences that, that brought me to this point. But place has always been important to me. It's, it's been a, a core part of, of my career throughout all of it. Um, truly with a belief that everyone deserves to live in a great place. Um, and what makes a place great is going to be the things that are special about that community. Um, it's not going to be like everywhere else. That's not what's going to make it great. And so finding the people in the community that make that place special, um, including the small businesses that are unique to that community, are, are an important step in that process. Yeah, I really appreciated that aspect of the the story you told in the book, the like having community pride. Yeah, just having having businesses and industries that are identified with your place. I'm in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and so like the the big industries are, you know, so much local craft beer and then like cheese, dairy, and it's like a big part of who we are for sure. Absolutely. What would you say that cities and towns are struggling with today that that having these small scale manufacturing businesses helps to address like what sort of community would especially benefit from prioritizing this type of business? Is, is this a Renaissance that is needed in like really big cities or mid-sized cities, small towns? What sort of communities are, are needing to do this work? I think we're going to see the biggest benefit and the biggest impact in our smaller cities you know, I spent most of my career working with communities of, I don't know, 250,000 people all the way down to maybe 5,000 person places. And I think the thing that's really exciting to recognize right now is that there's there's an economic potential that was, was previously almost unimaginable. Um, and this is true of some of our bigger city neighborhoods that, that have been neglected and left behind um, in the past. But in many ways, I think we're going to see the, the impact faster in our smaller cities. Um, and it's not just because of this rapid adoption of technology over the last year, but uh, this reality that people can launch a national, a nationally successful business from anywhere, um, and people can live anywhere to, to do that. The challenge that a lot of these communities are facing um, is this this struggle about what to do with Main Street, right? And this is true of our smaller cities and of our of some of our big city neighborhoods that that have been neglected or were redlined. Um, couldn't get the the funding for a long time. Um, we have places where uh, storefronts are empty. Um, that I've talked to, you know, small city city managers who have said, you know, we've done the studies, we've hired the recruiter, we can't get anybody to move into our main street. And I say, well, if you're not going to take care of your own businesses and you're not going to get your own businesses into Main Street, then why would anybody want to move to your town, right? It, it's it's not something you can recruit your way out of. And small scale manufacturing businesses, you know, and, and in the book I certainly define this, but just sort of the the quick version is, you know, any business that's making a tangible product that you can replicate or package. So my shorthand for that is hot sauce, handbags, 
or hardware, these businesses work really well in storefronts because they can be direct to consumer in a storefront. They can do production at a small scale in that same storefront, but they can also sell online direct to consumer regionally or nationally, but also through wholesale. And so all of a sudden you have a business in your storefront that's not just dependent on foot traffic, not just dependent on incomes in that community, but is literally bringing revenue into that community and becoming a draw to attract more foot traffic to that place. And so we need to start looking at all of these other kinds of uses that can be active and engaging and build that pride that you were talking about also in our storefronts as part of our sort of growing out of the pandemic, but also growing out of what's been happening um, nationally over the last number of years with the changing dynamics in retail, um, the changing dynamics in in chain stores, um, but also this recognition at the local level that local businesses are really important. One of the things that I found most exciting, the the pandemic was a tragedy, right? We I think it, it is not often enough that we are recognizing that we lost over 600,000 people in this pandemic. Um, the What we saw, though, at the local level was an outpouring of support for individuals and for local businesses. And so that support for local businesses, I think, is an exciting thing to be able to, t- to really grow on um, and really acknowledge that this this growth of our small business needs a great downtown that is welcoming and distinctive and energizing, but that certain businesses can help us achieve those outcomes. Do you have a story that stands out that could kind of explain um, the journey that you've seen like an empty storefront take from, you know, being that empty space to having a small business manufacturer start working there and like having that successful growth? Is there, is there a story that comes to mind just to illustrate that for people? Sure. I was actually just talking to a business in Baltimore um, yesterday. You know, this, this business in Baltimore that I was talking to, and they were telling me their story. Uh, the owner, her name is Letta Moore, and she's the owner of KSM Candle Company. Um, and she makes candles and scented goods, and, and she's been in business since 2014. Um, has a history actually in marketing for real estate. Um, So she knows both sides of of the conversation, but she started by having an online Etsy shop, right? Then she built her own e-commerce website and she was doing it from home. And then she shared a storefront with a couple of other um, production businesses um, so that they had a retail, a shared retail space. And now she has her own studio where people can come both to to buy her things in this space as well as see her production happening. And so we're seeing businesses like this, this, this I, I call it this gold that we have in communities where there are people who have figured out how to have successful micro businesses based at home that are just waiting for the right kind of capital support, right, grants or loans, the right kind of affordable real estate space, and the right kind of business development support that are specific to product businesses. We know that e-commerce and distribution is a completely different thing than it was even just five years. And making sure that our small business owners have access to that knowledge is going to be an important thing. But then also making sure that they have access to the kinds of retail spaces um, that allow a micro business to not only get established in a storefront, but grow. What are some of the things that local leaders, whether government folks or um, just other local leaders, other business owners, um, Main Street advocates, 
what are some things that people who aren't those those manufacturing businesses can do to support that process happening um, to allow those storefronts to become those spaces? I know that's basically the, the whole focus of the book, but like <laughs> brief summary yeah. um, for folks, what are like a few things? Well, I think it's important to remember that these these community leaders, our mayors, our economic development and, and planning directors and our city managers, they, they're all aiming in this direction. They all are recognizing that we need to do things differently. Um, there are a lot of places that have struggled for a long time or neighborhoods in those communities that have struggled for a long time. And those local leaders are recognizing that they need to do something different. They want to know how to create a place that's vibrant, a place that people are proud to call home, um, and a place that supports a strong economy with locally owned businesses. Um, and they recognize that they, that that means that they need to create a downtown that brings people together, a place that people feel included, a place that feels cared for, um, and that they, that means that they have to invest in it in different ways. Um, I'll give you a couple of examples. So uh, when we worked with Bellflower, California, it's in L.A. County, but southeast of Los Angeles City. Um, the city leaders there recognized that they wanted to create a place with businesses that really define downtown. And we worked with them to identify small-scale manufacturing businesses already in the community, like a fashion designer and fabricator, a local brewery, a barbecue shop that was also going to start producing their sauce bottled for sale. Um, and then other people who were home-based that could become part of the storefronts. So even the the what seems like such a simple act of identifying these businesses and talking to them and making sure they understand that they're wanted in a community is sometimes sort of a, an explosive, astronomically exciting thing for those business owners because the product business owners, nobody's ever paid attention to them before in most places. In South Bend, Indiana, we worked with them uh, similarly on that starting track. Um, and then they made the commitment to invest in these businesses. And so they um, committed funding to create a business development program for existing product businesses in the community to learn how to be stronger and how to scale. And that was through that we helped them launch something called Scaling Up South Bend, um, where they the cohorts of business owners got access to a training provided by a Chicago-based business called 37 Oaks that specifically does that retail pricing, e-commerce, distribution, all the technical questions that would help a product business really understand how to be a stronger business, how to increase their profits, and how to scale. And then differently, when we worked with Columbia, Missouri, um, that was really a, a corridor that is a corridor north of downtown that's an improvement district. Um, they knew that they wanted to be a place of business, but also a place where families could come together. And, and when we did extensive interviews with the small-scale manufacturing business owners, we found that there were uh, many black and brown business owners in the community who had food-based businesses at home, but they couldn't, they didn't have anywhere they could scale to, to grow their businesses. And so um, they then launched a commercial shared kitchen on the corridor as a way to make sure that there was a mission-driven place in partnership with their economic development authority to really help these businesses grow. So these are just examples of the kinds of things, but the work is generally going to fall into three main categories, um, different kinds of business development support, different kinds of real estate support, and then capital investment. Yeah, thanks for outlining that. Um, so you've been talking about this already a bit, but 
What does your your day to day work at your firm, uh, Recast City? What does that involve, and and how did you get inspired to start the firm in the first place? Ooh, um, I so before I started Recast City, I used to be the vice president and chief of staff at Smart Growth America, where I was there for many years and had uh, just an amazing time working there. Um, when I left there, I knew I needed wanted to do something with small business, and I did a series of research and, and events really looking at what kinds of small businesses make the biggest difference for creating these strong neighborhoods that really are inclusive of the skills and the people in that neighborhood now. To make the very long story short, it, we land, I landed on product businesses. Um, and it was really exciting to realize that because at the time we were starting to see some of the major real estate developers set aside space um, and branding to go with these product businesses, which that was eight, nine years ago, and that has only grown, right? We, we've seen now product businesses and holiday markets and all of these different pieces um, and food halls only explode in the last eight, nine years. Um, so that's been exciting to watch. Um, my day-to-day with Recast City, we work directly with local governments, uh, Main Street organizations, downtown development authorities, and real estate developers who are interested in making this happen. How do we bring small-scale manufacturers into the work, um, be it an economic development strategy, a downtown reinvestment strategy, or a specific real estate project? And then what led you to write this book? What led me to write this book? Uh, a little bit of insanity, I think. Um, I'd never written a book before. Um, and honestly, I saw other people in the field writing books and at some point said to myself, I could do that. I went did this great prep course uh, for three months that helped me understand how to position it and how to understand the marketing of it and do uh, an outline and a, put together a pitch. And then I approached Island Press about uh, doing the book with me. Um, and they said yes. And that was right before the pandemic hit. Uh, within the month before the pandemic hit. So I spent a lot of last year being one of those unusual people where I actually spent every morning holed up in my basement writing (laughs) while the pandemic was going on uh, in the outside world. So last year was surreal in a number of different ways. But, you know, the, the most important thing to me about writing the book was that you know, there's no way I'm ever going to be able to work with every different jurisdiction in the country. And that I wrote the book in a way to make it incredibly accessible for anybody who believes in their community, who believes in their downtown, who believes in their main street, to be able to do something about it. The book really follows the storyline of, of making the case for this. Why have we, how have we been doing economic development really poorly in the past while and that we're still using um, strategies and tactics left over from 40, 50 years ago, and that we need to change that. What does that new economic model look like, and how do we do it? And then the five step method from Recast City um, to help any community be able to do this work themselves. Uh, and it comes with worksheets that people can download off of the book website um, and, and a whole community of people that are working to make this happen. So Um, My hope is that community leaders of all different kinds in all different places can pick up the book and make it happen for themselves. That's fantastic. And yeah, I had been wondering as I was reading, you know, I noticed lots of mentions too of the pandemic and kind of how that has impacted businesses. I had been wondering if you added those in after the fact or if you were writing, it sounds like you were writing as, as this was all unfolding. So yeah, definitely 
uh, very, very timely. It was, it was very, very real at the time. I mean, when I was writing the meat of the book was when most of the, most of our businesses were closed for months, right? And we just saw small businesses closing and then not being able to reopen or the opening of the, the paycheck protection program and, and sort of inequitable access to it purely based on who had their accounting books ready to run with on that given day. So the pandemic was very, very real and, and near to my heart uh, as I was writing that. So what are the projects that you're excited about um, in the future of your work? You know, what are you working on later this year? So we have some really exciting things going on this year. The main program that we're running right now is called uh, Recast Leaders, and it is a cohort program. So we select uh, up to five communities at a time, and each community builds a small team. And we take all of those communities together through a training of how to do this, what is the method, um, coach them through doing it themselves, analyzing that information, and then coming up with a community-specific action plan based on what they heard from their small-scale manufacturers, their property owners, their small business support community, um, and then supporting them through the implementation of that work. And it's a 12-month cohort program, um, which is we're running two of them right now. It's just really exciting to see how communities are not only sharing what they've learned with each other, but adopting this method. And, and already they're talking about, oh, well, we could adopt it in this neighborhood too, and, and we can figure out how to use it in this way. And, and really seeing that this is a method that can be applied um, in a number of different ways. And so that, that Recast Leaders program is really exciting. And we're going to open up another cohort in the fall um, for folks who are interested. So that that's by far the, the biggest thing that, that we're working on right now. And then everything having to do with the book and talking to to people about the book. The final thing I want to ask you is what advice do you have for anyone listening who wants to take some some first step towards helping uh, small-scale manufacturers be part of their community, be a bigger part of and presence in their downtown? What's like the first step or, or a small beginning step? Sure. I, I always recommend people start with the, the same first two steps, and they happen to be the first two steps in the method. One is to figure out what outcome you want to achieve and who should benefit from it. I know those are two questions, but they're part of the same step in my brain. When we get specific about what we're trying to achieve um, and what we want that outcome to be like, what it should feel like when we walk down the street in that place, who should be in the stores, who owns those stores, what is it like on a Saturday afternoon or a Wednesday night, when we can get really clear on what that outcome is, it makes it much easier for us to achieve that outcome because we have something very tangible in our mind. And it's not something we define by by policy wonk zoning or, or permitting. We'll get to that later. It's It's really about what's that image that we want to achieve. And as part of that, thinking about, well, if we're going to make investments to achieve that vision, who should benefit from it? And being as specific as we can about it so that we know that when we are creating programs, we're ensuring not only that the program can benefit those people, but then when we do outreach, we know who we're trying to reach through that. So outcome and who should benefit is the first step. And then the second step is going out to find the small scale manufacturers. Um, the only way they can be a part of the storefronts is if you understand who they are and what they need, what works for them and what doesn't. And so we support folks to go and literally build the list 
of small scale manufacturers. And I will tell you, they are in every single community from big city to very small town and everything in between. There are people who make stuff. So um, we work with folks to, to build that method. Um, and, and those are really the two, two big first steps. Um, and then when we get to action to, with folks, we really work on what's already there that we can build on fast. So is it programming that's already there? Is it branding we can build on? Is there an incubator program or a startup program we can build on um, so that we can feel the impacts of this work quickly? Well, Elena Proust, thank you for joining me for this conversation. And uh, I will be sharing links to your website and um, places to purchase the book with everyone uh, so they can check it out. Thanks for, for taking the time to talk with us today. Thanks so much. Thrilled to be here. Alana Pruce's book is Recast Your City, How to Save Your Downtown with Small-Scale Manufacturing. You can visit recastyourcity.com to buy the book. And if you buy from the publisher's website, which is islandpress.org, they've got a special promo code set up that'll be STRONG25 to get 25% off. And actually, that works for any book on islandpress.org. You can feel free to use that code just for y'all. Okay, as always, my usual plug, feel free to send me emails and voicemails letting me know what you're up to in your city. Would love to hear from you and get feedback on the show. Finally, thank you to our members who make this show and all of our work at Strong Towns possible. What you're doing when you make a donation to Strong Towns, when you join as a member, is supporting a movement of people across the country, across the continent, really, who are trying to make their communities more economically resilient. So by giving, you are enabling us to share these success stories, to spotlight these case studies, um, create guides, resources, and be a place of support um, for all of you who are out there doing that work. So if you want to be supporting that feedback loop to be part of making the Strong Towns movement happen, become a member at strongtowns.org slash membership. All right, have a good week. I will see you back here for the next episode.